Hello, and welcome to the FreightFine podcast, your source for all things transportation. FreightFine is brought to you by DATIQ. With the freight market changing daily, DATIQ has the most accurate rate data and forecasting analytics that help businesses stop guessing and plan for the road ahead. Find out more at DAT.com slash IQ. I'm Chris Kaplis, Chief Scientist at DAT Freight and Analytics, and today I'm joined by Dr. Zach Rogers, Assistant Professor at Colorado State University in Supply Chain Management. Zach's research interests include the financial impact of supply chain sustainability, cradle-to-grave project management, and various other emerging purchasing and logistics issues. He earned his bachelor's and MBA degrees at the University of Nevada, Reno, and earned his PhD in supply chain management from Arizona State University. But the main reason I asked Zach to join me today is so we can talk about the Logistics Managers Index, the LMI. This is something he co-developed and currently leads. And it's sponsored by the CSCMP, the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals, and the LMI is published monthly. Following my conversation with Zach, I'll be joined by Dr. Enam Ayub to discuss the truckload market update. So let's get started. Hi, Zach. Welcome to the Freight Fine Podcast. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is great. So I always ask whenever I have an academic on is why in the hell did you get it? Go get a Ph.D. after you got your <laughs> your MBA, you're working at Quidzy, which was a, you know part of Amazon. What possessed you to go back and get a Ph.D.? You know, Chris, you're actually not the first person to ask me that. Um, so uh, my wife asked me that, I think. I was going to say, that's that's usually who asks. That's yeah, usually it. Like, Why like, the hell are you doing that? Well, and for us, you know, the day I got my acceptance letter was, so I got my acceptance letter at Arizona State at 6 p.m. At 1 a.m., my wife woke me up because she was going in labor for our daughter. And, <laughs> and I'm sure that those two things are linked. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, that's, yeah. Yeah. And so, so she was like, well, really? <laughs> she, this kid just came out five minutes ago. We're going to Arizona. But we did. Um, and it was it was a lot of fun. You know, I, 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 my dad was a professor, so I always thought that was a possibility for me. Um, and then I, uh, you know, I was doing some research with him and, and one of my former professors and, uh, I gave a, I gave a presentation and at a conference and, uh, and my former advisor had moved down to Arizona state and said, Hey, why don't you, why don't you come down with us? Oh, that's great. And I thought, Oh, great idea. So, so I did basically. Um, but it was, you know, I'm glad I did both. Uh, I'm glad I, I had time working at, at Quidzy, which was, uh, was acquired by Amazon when I was there. Um, and that was really great because it really helped to give me a background experience and, and, you know, distribution and warehousing and, and what all this stuff actually looks like. And, uh, you know, for any of you, uh, aspiring academics out there, I would say, wait to get a real job for a little bit, uh, and then go. Cause it'll, you know, it, it'll really help you to have a better perspective. No, that makes sense. I agree. I think there's far too many academics weirdly in our space that have no work experience outside of academia. Um, but it's nice to see that you did. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think a lot do, you know, but but yeah, the, maybe the ones who don't and, 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 you know, some of the ones who don't, I guess, are, you know, they're math geniuses and maybe it would have been a waste of time for them to ship boxes around a warehouse. So, you know, maybe teach their own. For me, though, it was definitely better <laughs> that, that I knew what I was talking about. Yeah, it's funny because I um what I love is about supply chain is the most interesting part is the empirical part. The harder problems are the real ones versus the ones that are kind of 
you know, you can drive them so you can use a mathematical formula and some theorems. But the really interesting ones to me and the harder ones are the real problems that companies have. So I'm glad to see that you're one of the uh, the academics who've worked before. It's always good to see. Um, but the main reason I wanted to get you on the show and the podcast is to talk about the LMI, the Logistics Managers Index. So um, can you give us some background? Uh, what is the LMI? How did it come about? Absolutely. So the Logistics Managers Index, or uh, the LMI, is a change index that uh, a few uh, other faculty and my myself, uh, so, so it's me, it's uh, Dale Rogers from Arizona State, uh, who you'll notice we have the same last name, that's not coincidental, uh, Stephen Carnavale from Rochester Institute of Technology, Shen Yenyert from Rutgers University, and Ron Lemke from the University of Nevada. And so we started this, uh, this index in September of 2016. And the idea was that we thought this could be a leading indicator. And so what we track with the LMI is eight different metrics. We track inventory levels and costs, warehousing capacity, utilization, and prices, in transportation capacity, utilization, and prices. And what we do is every month we send out a, a quick little, you know, tiny survey, eight-question survey. It takes two minutes to do. Because uh, if, if we made it five minutes, I think our response rate would go way down. So we made it two minutes. Right. And uh, again, this is that real job experience. Like these guys don't have 10 minutes <laughs> to take the survey. So, right, for, right. so it's, it's two minutes. And basically we ask about all eight of those metrics. And we say, okay, transportation prices, are they going up? Are they staying the same? Are they going down? And we assign them a, a zero if it's going down, 0.5 staying the same, a one if it's going up. Average all of that together with you know everyone who takes a survey. And usually we get between 100, 200, sometimes more than that, uh, but, but usually between 100, 200 uh, folks to take it every month. And, uh, and then we come up with some number. So uh, any number that's below 50 indicates contraction. Okay, so like this month, uh, transportation capacity was a 39. 39 means that there's some pretty steep contraction in capacity. So there's less trucks available in December 2020 than there was in November 2020. And it's always a change index. So you're just comparing it to the last month. And so I think it's important to note, like, you know, so let's say a transportation capacity, it was 39 in December and 35 in November. Now you could look at that in a graph and say, oh, it went from 35 to 39, there's more trucks on the road. Not actually true, right? It's it's just, that's the slope. That That's how steeply are we declining. So 39 is still down. It's just not down at the same sort of, uh, it's, it's not down as sharply as it was in November, right, but there's still right. capacity still tighter overall, if that makes sense. Yeah, let me ask a question because it could be, you know, uh, if a shipper is experiencing tight capacity, say for trucking, that could be due to one, there's less supply, or it could be two, their demand shot through the roof. So right. are you able to differentiate that or is that not as important just if they're feeling that capacity is tight that we don't we don't look at that so much i mean i can tell you that that right now it's it's a demand issue uh you know i mean the demand has never been higher uh for for transportation really now there will be some supply coming online this year which will will hopefully lighten that up a little bit um and we can talk about you know future predictions i i know later um one of the things we do ask folks, though, is, is you know, where is this going in 12 months? 
And it's interesting because our, our respondents were usually pretty accurate. Uh, the only thing really they haven't predicted accurately in the four and a half years we've been doing it was that there would be a once in a century pandemic all of a sudden. But other than right. that, they, other than that, they've been pretty good. But let me ask. Let me yeah. ask. So, OK, it's it's now March and no one saw March coming. Right. No, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Right. But then now it's April. And did people in April and May, so we're in the middle of pandemic, foresee the fall? Because that's the thing. Remember, we cratered in April and it was still low in May for transportation anyway. But then late summer from like Ju- July on was gangbusters. Did did you guys foresee that? So so here's what was interesting uh, about it. So we always ask them sort of a, a year in advance. Um, but but so what was interesting about April and you're absolutely right. That was the low point. That was the LMI, the overall score. So so. I should have said earlier, we take those eight composite scores, average them together. That's the overall index. It got down to a 51 in April, which is the lowest uh, that we've ever had in the four and a half years. So basically, the, it nothing was moving because 50 means no movement. So essentially, it was it was everything was at a standstill. The next month, we went up to 54, mid 60s, high 60s, and by October, we were in the you know low seventies, basically. So we had a, a 20 point jump in like four months, which is exactly what right. happened. What I saw and they, you know, this is some anecdotal evidence and also based on what we asked people, they, I don't think there was a sense of how long this was going to go. Uh, I right. think, you know, right. if you look at March, remember it was like, Oh, maybe we'll go back to church on Easter and all that kind exactly. of stuff. And so we actually saw something interesting where, you know, in 2018, if you remember the, the market was really hot and uh, there was a lot of truck fleets being built in, in 2018. Like I, August, 2018, there was like record numbers of trucks being ordered. And, uh, and then in 2019, we actually saw a transportation dip quite a bit, uh, especially on the industrial side, um, you know, and, and whether some of that was uh, all the tariffs, I think were a part of it. Some of it were natural cycles, but things had really slowed down. And, and, and we saw like three PLs getting shut down in 2019 and early 2020. And so I think there was a lot of, of companies who kind of remembered the lessons from 2018 and 2019 and thought, well, geez, you know, it, okay. It does seem like April and May, suddenly nobody's going to the store. So we're doing way more e-commerce, which of course, uh, as you know, takes way more trucks, way more warehouses. Uh, we're doing way more e-commerce, but this might be a blip. And so we didn't actually see a lot of fleets being built uh, in the spring, even though, I mean, clearly if, if the, if the pandemic was going to keep going, I mean, if we would have known what was coming in October, November, December, we would have been building trucks as fast as we could. Yeah. But in March, it was sort of the double-edged sort of, well, we don't know how long this is going to go on. And two, the last time we way built up the fleets really quickly uh, it ended up that we built it in response to a bubble and, right. you know, it, it, it came back and it bit us. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, but, sorry, go ahead. But, but also there, but also there, the driver schools were shut down too. And they're still not, not acting at capacity. And there was some removal for some of the uh, drug testing that came on for supply. But I don't know if that would have had as big of an impact. It's what's weird is, so we look at this as part of uh, what DAT, when we look at uh, part of our FMIC product, we're looking across about 100 shippers and the volume levels actually year over year has not changed that much. The thing that has changed dramatically, especially in the fall, 
there are winners and losers. And on the balance, yeah, nothing's changed. But you know, if it's not in the same balance, then that causes tons of problems. So you have some shippers that are looking to purchase, you know, 3x what they normally do and others are bottomed out. And that causes a lot of problems. Absolutely. It was the mix change, right? So we yeah, it, it yeah. took a long time for uh, for industrial to sort of come back. I mean, if you look at the difference sure. between like dry van versus flat car, I mean, you know, you can see that a lot of the retailers, uh, grocery places, things like that, their, their demand for transportation went way up. You know, yep. I mean, you just take e-commerce, uh, which is really a microcosm of, of how this has all looked. That was predicted to go up by about 15% in the U.S. in, in 2020. And that's, that's pretty normal for us. goes up 15%. It was probably somewhere closer to 40% that it went up yeah. this year. And so that's, you know, 2, 3x up from what we were expecting. And so all these retailers kind of didn't have the infrastructure. And so because mm-hmm. of that, okay, yeah, we are going out. And, and yes, there's still that capacity that might be, you know, uh, uh, available, but one, it might be not exactly the type of capacity we want. And two, it's all going to be spot market now, which is going to make it much more expensive because, OK, I have, you know, contracts in place for, you know, however many pallets, uh, you know, whatever this volume is. But now that volume is tripled. And not only did it triple for me, it tripled for everyone in my industry. So now we're really, you know, battling it out to figure out how to get on the spot market. And combine that with the fact that we didn't really build new trucks in the spring because we didn't know how long this was going to last. We had a huge mismatch uh, where demand was way outstripping supply, uh, uh, you know, for certain routes, certain types of trucks and, and prices just went through the roof. I mean, we were at, you know, on our index all the way through the end of summer, uh, we were in the the mid to high eighties in terms of growth. Wow. And that yeah. is such a, a jump you know, from where we were at the beginning of the year. In, at January 2020, we were at a 50. Basically, no right. change. Nothing was moving. We had kind of seen a slowdown. And we had been in the 50s and 40s pretty mm-hmm. much since uh, April of 2019. Uh, you know, low 50s, high 40s. So basically, we weren't seeing a ton of change uh, for about 10 months. And then suddenly this comes around and the prices just go through the roof. Yeah, the other thing that happened there is the uh, carriers started adhering exactly to what they committed to. Prior to this, you know, 20% flex, you know, I'll go up 20, 30% and, and stay with the same rates. And now I was just talking with some shippers yesterday. They won't go one load over what their commitment is because they've got these other commitments and carriers having record number of turndowns. So it's really been an interesting market. But let me ask you another question about this. Um, has the LMI changed over time? Have you had tweaked it or is it in the same form that you started in 2016? There's, well, there's been, so the report has definitely changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, the, the amount of time we spend on it, like if you go back on our website and you look at our, our first couple reports, I mean, I almost wish we didn't even have them up there. Cause the, it's just like, we had no <laughs> idea what we were doing. Um, you know, they were like two or three pages. Now it's like uh, 15 pages probably or 20, right. you know, pages we send out. So the, the way we write up the report and, and, you know, now we will do some interviews every month. We'll, you know, do a lot more background stuff. Uh, so the report itself has changed quite a bit. The only other thing that we've really changed in terms of calculation is 
in the beginning, we we had capacity uh, coded the same way we had everything else coded. And we were okay. realizing that like, and this is maybe the first six months we had this. Okay, you know what? Well, capacity goes up. That actually means that things are slowing down. Right. But we, right. so, so we ended up reverse coding that. And we went back and retroactively now, all of the numbers going back are, are, are retrofitted. Um, uh, now, when you see the actual capacity number by itself in the report, and it says, you know, transportation's at 39. Okay, that really is going down as a 39. But then when we average that into the overall MI, we'll flip that to be a 61. Got it. Basically. Got it. Uh, so that's the only way it's really changed. We all we've also added some stuff. You know, we, we started breaking things out by uh, by upstream and downstream. Uh, yeah, I wanted to ask about that. So so what what caused you to start doing that, and how do you see that differing? And, and be sure to define what upstream and downstream means to you. Absolutely. So downstream is uh, the respondents that are sort of closer to consumers. So grocery, retail, maybe some automotive. That's sort of downstream. Upstream is like, you know, manufacturers, warehousing companies, transportation companies, things like that. Uh, basically, you know, people who are removed at least one step, right. and sometimes multiple steps away from, from the, re, uh, the consumer. And right. we kind of started thinking about that last year because I, I was just, I, I was going through the data and noticing like, man, like the, uh, you know, the, the, the upstream folks really seem to be a little slower than downstream. And, and we didn't have that, you know, coded. We, we do ask people for their industry. And, and, you know, I was thinking about things going on with the trade war and, 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 you know, industrial slowdown versus consumers. Right. The new consumers were still hot. And so I just on a lark, honestly, was like, Oh, let me check it. And we found some really interesting all through last year, some really interesting differences between downstream and upstream, especially in 2019. Uh, the, the demand for like transportation downstream never dips last year. Uh, hmm. You know, it was still pretty high in terms of like last mile delivery stuff. I'm talking. Okay. Upstream slowed down quite a bit last year. Right. Uh, and so last year, you know, 2019 was really the story of the the consumer. 2020, it's been a lot different. It's been kind of all over the place. I mean, we still see really heavy transportation for for up for for downstream. Although lately, upstream has has come back online, and a lot of that is because upstream we we include some you know some shipping and stuff like some some uh -huh. sea shipments, rail, the the things that you know upstream maybe uses more than downstream, and and that's really started to heat up. On top of that warehousing has just been hot all year for the upstream folks. Uh, and it's basically, yeah, let me ask you. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, let me ask a question about that. Yeah, no, no, no problem. So are the sample sizes roughly the same? Are you heavy on one versus the other, or is that relatively balanced? They're, they're usually pretty close. I would say generally, maybe we are 60, 40 upstream. Okay. Uh, or 45. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. So we, we probably have more upstream folks in the sample, but I mean, the sample sizes are usually, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, we're statistically, you know, confident. In them. Sure. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And you said initially that you saw that upstream was, I think you used the word slower. Does that mean it, it's uh, does it lag? 
Do you see it lagging the the downstreams, or do you see it just not as volatile? Not necessarily. I, I, yeah, not, not not as much volume, and and definitely less volatile okay. usually. Now in the pandemic, that shifted. Okay. Um, what's interesting though is that we don't see downstream because because I, I would have thought, and this is probably maybe what you were thinking too. I would have thought we'd really see downstream lagging upstream. So when upstream has, you know, a spike in capacity, maybe a month later downstream does or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And, and that's not really something we've seen. Um, they're sort of their own, uh, their own separate uh, groups <laughs> in some ways. Yeah, you're almost catching um, different industries. I mean, downstream, you're capturing retail, um, which has its own little footprint. Um, but that, that, makes, that makes sense. Well, let me ask a question about, because you're mentioning the capacity index, and that makes sense that you reverse code it. Um, but aren't there are there correlations? Have you seen correlations with the the transportation prices index and the capacity index? Because looking at this latest month's report, which we'll talk about in a second, it seemed like they're almost inversely correlated. Oh yeah, absolutely. They're, they're very very correlated. Okay, um, which makes sense, right? It's, yeah. it's supply and demand basically. Um, now, what's interesting is that they're also both correlated with, um, and this is in a, a paper we're working on now, um, they're, they're very correlated with um, the future movements in the economy. Hmm. So like unemployment, Dow Jones, uh, GDP, things like that. So if you are retail sales, so if you want to think about, and this, again, this goes back to sort of what I, I was mentioning at the beginning. We started this initially because we thought it could be like a leading indicator. Right. So our thought was, well, more and more sales, you know, the, the PMI who are our friends, uh, over there at the, the purchasing managers index that a lot was built around manufacturing and, uh, and, and the, and that, and if you look at when they started the PMI, that made sense for what America's economy was today. So much more of the economy, especially in the U S is service and e-commerce and fulfillment and our thought was, well, you know, what if as a complement, not to replace the PMI, obviously, but but as a complement to the PMI, what if we tracked things like transportation and inventory levels? With the idea being that, well, before a sale can be made, you know, the good has to be on a truck and kept in inventory at some warehouse. And, you know, that, that ended up uh, sort of being true. Uh, you know, if you want to know retail sales for February, what those are going to look like, Look at transportation prices for January. Hmm. Uh, it's a pretty good predictor one month out when transport. And, and I mean, it's it's like, uh, you know, for the statisticians in the audience, you know, point zero 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 one significance. Right. It's it's very significant predictor. You know, when when transportation prices go up in January, that means retail sales are going up in February. That's interesting, but you haven't found it for the upstream to downstream because that it seems like that would naturally follow. But you well, it. you know what I, I think a lot of it is is they're working with different decks. You know, they're they're, they're working with different capacities, and so downstream I think is a little more isolated from from upstream, uh, especially for warehousing. The, you know, the down you know downstream the warehouses they they would like a warehouse down your street basically. Whereas upstream, they're looking for something out in the middle of nowhere uh, that's going to be cheap. Well, maybe <laughs> maybe that's a reflection of you know downstream. They're going to more points of consumption now, and the upstream exactly. they're going to to fewer, and so maybe that that ties in with that. But let me ask you another question about uh, LMI. How do you see a shipper, a carrier, or a broker using it? 
Do you do, is it intended for one of those audiences? Is it mainly a shipper tool or a shipper index, or how how can these different uh, players within transportation oh, no. use the LMI? No, you know, we get notes, we get feedback uh, back from pretty much every every spot in the supply chain mm-hmm. uh, of, of folks that use it. I, I know for a fact there's there's one carrier who uh, and, and a woman who works there will email me. You know, we used to not be again in the beginning. This was kind of an ad hoc. We're figuring this out in the kitchen kind of a thing. Right. And uh, and I, I got notes that were like, hey, man, like this is supposed to come out on the first Tuesday of every month. <laughs> Knowing that I, I always have a presentation on the first Thursday of every month where I sh- and I add these graphs in. Can you please send me the numbers? And uh, and so I know carriers are using it. Yeah. And uh, and and shippers absolutely. And and really, what this is 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 a couple things. I mean, it's a good way to sort of take the temperature right. of the industry. It is our okay. Is everyone else seeing what we're seeing? Uh, and also, you know, we have the future stuff in there and, and I know that, that there's companies using this as a predictive tool. So, okay, what, what's happening at a macro level in terms of utilization or inventory levels? What does that mean? Uh, if we have to go on the spot market next month, our price is going up, our price is going down. Are we going to be able to figure out, you know, new warehouse space? Uh, and, and it's, it's really, you know, I think, uh, another data point right. that, that people can use. I mean, and one complaint that we've gotten sometimes like, Hey, well not complaint, but you know, comment like, Hey, what about this for my specific industry? Or sure. this doesn't really take into, I remember getting a note one time, like, Hey, you know, this is really different from what we're seeing here in, in Northeastern Georgia. So I don't know <laughs> if this is right or not. Yeah. And, but you know, we don't just survey people from Northeastern Georgia and, uh, and really what we're trying to do is get an overall industry level comparison. And the nice thing about that is then you can really do these apples to apples things where you can say, okay, this December versus last December, uh, what are the differences we're seeing, uh, in, in the overall, uh, economy, which by the way, this December 66.7 last December uh, 54 even for the overall index. So, so we're seeing a lot more speed now than we were at the same time last year. That makes sense. Um, and and yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you know, if we look at what happened over, you know, sort of the, the holidays and how crazy that was. Yeah. But let me, let me ask you related to that because uh, your metrics are the rate of change compared to last month, right? So it's almost a marginal rate of change. Are you seeing seasonality over the four plus years you've done that? Because you'd naturally expect, for example, I'm guessing October to always be a little tighter than September or August. Do you yes. see that or is, it, is, it, is that dwarfed by the macro effects? No, we do. We, we do see some, some seasonality, but we see bigger swings, uh, you know, every year. Right. And, and it's just, I mean, it's been a really honestly fun four years to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, there's so much has happened yeah. in the last, yeah. uh, in yeah. the last four years. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there was the, the big tax cut, suddenly a bunch of people are flush with cash. The economy got so hot in 2017 and 18. And then we had the slowdown in 2019. We had a, a you know, once in a every hundred years crash in early 2020. And then e-commerce got really hot again. I mean, just to, you know, okay, yeah, there's seasonality, but let me just give you the transportation prices from the last three Decembers. December 2019, 74. So good, good rate of growth. December 2020, 52. 
So barely any change. And, and if you remember, things were really slowed down. Again, uh, uh, downstream, we, we were pretty, pretty hot in December 2019. Upstream, we were not. December 2020, 85.1. Yeah. And so 74, 52, 85. That, those are the last three years. So, I mean, there's seasonality probably in here. Like, it's usually a little bit down from, or sorry, it's usually slightly a, a tick up from November a lot of times. Um, but, you know, it's it, so much has happened. There's all these, like you said, macro level effects that it, it, it can be hard to really pin down what's seasonality and what's just these wild shifts uh, that we've been having. That makes sense. I mean, you picked a four-year time period that had some major right. increases, decreases. <laughs> In fact, I, I would argue, I was talking with some other folks recently, that since March, we've had multiple cycles within the year, right? And so, oh, yeah, you know, if you look at when the natural business cycle happens every roughly three-ish years, something happens, you really hit a lot of volatility. But let me ask you about the um, current report that just came out last week, I believe, uh, the 6th, was it? Uh, no, the 4th. It, Tuesday. It came out okay. on Tuesday. Okay, the 5th. Um, yes. Yeah, and so it just fifth, came yeah. out, and your LMI is a 66.7. So put us this, put that into context. What does that mean to someone? And and what do you see What are you in your tea leaves? What do you see happening or trending? So that means we have uh, solid rates of, of growth. Remember, anything over 50 means growth. Uh, now that's down. We had been in the seventies, uh, in the three months before this, but that's a normal drop, right? That makes sense that you would be really, really tight in September, October, November, as you kind of have the buildup. And then December was down and really the, the drop was driven by uh, a drop in inventory levels, which of course you're always inventory levels are always going to go down in December and an increase in warehouse capacity. And those two sure. obviously would be very, very correlated inventory levels and warehouse capacity. Right. Interestingly though, even though, yeah, we're, we're seeing a little bit more capacity come online. We didn't get a break on price at all. Uh, warehouse prices were at a 77 transportation prices are at an 85. Both of those are significant rates of growth and pretty far over the, uh, the average uh, you know, for those metrics, yeah. you know, that average, average growth for, for warehouses is like 71 average for, for transportation is like a 68 and a half. Yeah. And so we, we have pretty high levels of growth. And, and if you look at, you know, like I said, we ask, okay, 24 months or 12 months from now, what do you see coming? Our respondents predicted some capacity is going to come back online. Now, not high levels, like for, for transportation capacity, they said, okay, 63 is there is the projected growth for this year, which basically means there will be more trucks available. Not not like a crazy amount of more trucks mm -hmm. available, mm -hmm. but more trucks will be available. Warehousing, they gave us a 51, hmm. close to a 52, really. Was that the same uh, for upstream, downstream, or was it different? Um, it was pretty, pretty close. We, okay. did, we didn't okay. find any big differences this, 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 uh, this month. And so um, what that means is that basically warehouse is going to be status quo in terms of how many are available. Now, of course, we'll be building more, um, but they're not going to come on uh, online that quickly. And so then if you go forward to prices, warehouse prices, okay, future growth, next 12 months, they predicted an 81. And transportation prices, a, a 77.6. And so even though we see some capacity coming online for transportation, we're not. no one's predicting a drop in price. Hmm. 
and and definitely no one's predicting a drop in price for for warehousing. And, you know, it looks like this is going to keep going up and up. And again, the reason for that is because I I think you know we've totally changed the way that business works during during this pandemic. You know, forty percent uh, growth in, in e-commerce versus what we were expecting, you know, three X in, in e-commerce. And, you know, on top of that, we're going to, there's more returns involved with that. Uh, and, and, and it's going to be closer. So it's going to be more expensive routes, more expensive warehouses, things like that, that the lessons we learned probably aren't going to go away just because we get the vaccine and we say, Oh, pandemic's over. I think my parents are still going to order groceries on their phone because they like that now, <laughs> you know, they all, yeah. they, everyone's kind of figured yeah. out you can do this. And so I, I think, uh, actually my parents probably will go to the grocery store, but most people's parents, well, my, my parents are right. weird about going to the grocery store, but most people's parents are probably going to use the phone. And, uh, and, and so I don't think we're going to lose these lessons. And I think that prices are going to remain high as we continue, not just consumers, but also businesses continue to use a lot of the lessons uh, and sort of the skills we've gained uh, during the pandemic. So even if we we come back online at some more capacity, prices will probably uh, keep going up for the rest of the year. I, I don't know. So, you know, if, if you're in the trucking business, I, I think 2021 is probably going to be a pretty good year. So we can talk about that because we have our own forecast that we do at DAT. But let me ask something about this, because what I love about the LMI, it's it's really um, it's it's survey based. Right. So it's perceptions. It's uh, what people think. And um, you're probably very much aware of uh, the idea of recency bias, where people tend to think what's happening to them today is the thing that's going to continue because it, it's the easiest thing to remember. Do you see any of that? In, in other words, because uh, I've seen this in other aspects where you see um, high price for transportation now. So therefore, you think transportation prices are going to be high 12 months from now versus when you're in a drought, you think it's going to go on forever. Do you see any of that or do you think it, it, no. uh, they're not as correlated? I don't, I mean, there's some of that. I mean, there's some noise and some movement, but, but actually our future respondents have been pretty accurate. Um, and, and one thing I, I should have said earlier, uh, everyone who's responded to the LMI is, has to be a director level or above. And the reason we did that is because we wanted folks who okay. had a 20,000 foot view of the whole company. You know, when I was a lowly warehouse manager, I should not have been answering the LMI. You know, cause I knew, I knew how much inventory was in my warehouse in Reno, Nevada. I didn't know anything else though. Um, and so, uh, I think they, they, they're usually pretty good. I will say sometimes they come off a little hopeful. I think maybe that, that could be part of it. Ah, you know, okay. I mean, it's like, Oh, I, I'd like, I'd like warehouse prices to go down in a little bit. Uh, I'd like there to be more, more capacity, but, but, but I almost think that that optimism may be mixed with some recency bias usually gives us a pretty good number. Uh, you know, I mean, okay. it, it just, just take warehouse prices or sorry, transportation prices that we were just talking about this month, they're predicting, or this month they grew in 85, uh, but we only had a 77 and a half for the next 12 months. And so yeah. clearly there's some people who said, yeah, they're up now, but I think they're going to stay the same or maybe even decline over the next yeah. 12 months. Yeah. In fact, uh, in our forecast, which just came out, we have monthly forecasts that we do at DAT. Um, we actually see it. We believe it's going to crest in Q1 and come down because there are a lot of signs. Uh, you know, will mm -hmm. the volumes continue where they are? Because also, like we said earlier, one of the big challenges was the total volume didn't change, but the mix changed. And for truckload trucking, yeah. that's a disaster. But now the networks are settling. 
And so will that settle itself? So we're kind of estimating that year over year will start dipping back down at the end of Q1, maybe Q2. But we'll see. We'll see. It's just a, it's just a forecast. Well, yeah. Well, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if Q1 is a little hotter than mm-hmm. everything else. Uh, now, I mean, that depends, right? We just found out, uh, you know, uh, what the makeup of the Senate is going to be. So maybe there's going to be more stimulus sure, than we thought sure. there was going to be last month. So I think that could be a difference. Also, Q1, though, we have the two big challenges of all the e-commerce returns right. uh, from uh, the holidays, because, you know, e-commerce, it was 40% up. Well, e-commerce returns tend to be two to three times higher than brick At and least, mortar returns. It's not higher. Yeah. So there's going to be, yeah, like over $100 billion of returns. Uh, I mean, you have folks like Target stretching it out 90 days on their return periods just so they don't get it all, you know, the first two weeks of January. Um, and then we have the vaccine distribution. Uh, which is not going to really be a small feat, and and now that will that will take up a very specific part of the supply chain, but that's still something that's that's going to be really busy. And then finally, we have all of these ships just waiting at the the ports to get yeah. in. Uh, right, you know, right. the port of LA, and because it hit China first, and then it hit us. You know, port of LA normal day maybe they do nine to twelve ships. Well, in March and April they were doing three ships a day. In December, they had lines of 20 ships waiting outside the port to get in. And so we have all of this backlogged mm-hmm. inventory that we're going to have to move around the supply chain for the first few months of, of the year. And so I think you're right. I, I think that the beginning of 2021 will absolutely be hot. And then the rest of 2021, probably that depends on when do we open back up and, uh, you know, right, is there right. some stimulus and things like that that we just we don't really know at this point. That makes sense. Well, let's let's switch topics now and let's talk about the pandemic because we have to, by by law, talk about right. the pandemic yeah. <laughs> these days. Um, it's obviously impacted a lot of different things. What do you think were the most dramatic changes that you saw in the industry um, over this time period? You know, I, I think it's got to be the e-commerce yeah. uh, and, and really how much and, and really what it did is I think the pandemic was really more of a catalyst than a change. So what I mean by that is, you know, that we already had a bunch of ways that we were trending and really the pandemic just made a step on the gas. And so we just are getting there faster. Like where we are right now with e-commerce or even with, you know, non-logistics things like watching movies at home or, you know, whatever, we were, we were going to be there in five years or 10 years. Now we, we just skipped ahead essentially, uh, because of the pandemic. And so I think, you know, what we really see is changes in, um, the, a a real move forward in like the type of warehouses everybody wants, you know, and now it's really, you Mm -hmm. gotta have next day delivery. You gotta have same day delivery, uh, for maybe 50% of your products as opposed to 20%, you know, depending on how your sort of omni-channel sort of mix is changing. Um, and so, you know, you see things like there's not too far from, from my house, there's a Macy's in Littleton, Colorado, and it's in a mall. And in December, they changed it from being a Macy's that you can walk into to a Macy's Omni Center. (laughs) So it's they only do pickups and and deliveries and that you can do a return there, but you don't walk in. And and all of these places are sort of desperate to have bigger distribution networks uh, because that's really, you know, what the supply chain looks like has really changed. It's so much more about service 
than it is about cost. And so we're moving from the model of, you know, when I worked at, at, at Amazon, it was one of their earlier warehouses. It was out in the middle of, of Nevada, uh, outside a, a town called Fernley, which the, the reason you go to Fernley is to work at Amazon or because that's where the witness protection program sent you, basically. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the, my first day going there, uh, I got stopped because there was a bunch of bulls in the road and I couldn't get to my job, right? <laughs> he was out in the middle of nowhere where there was just, there's more cows than people. Now, you know, they're putting uh, am, giant Amazon warehouses in the suburbs of Denver because yeah. they want to get yeah. us all deliveries within 20 minutes. Yeah, you're seeing more of an increase in dark stores, which is what you described and those those kind of things yeah. is moving. So, so, so e-commerce, I agree. And do you see, do you think it's going to dip a little or do you think it's going to, continue this torrid growth pace uh, post-pandemic. Right. So the rate of growth, I think, absolutely will go down. It, it can't go up another 40% uh, this next year. I mean, there, there's no way. we. And even if it tried, it, it couldn't go up 40% if we tried because they would just say, hey, we can't make that many deliveries. It's not going to work. Right. Uh, but right. I think what we'll probably see is maybe we'll go back to that 10 to 15% growth a year with just sort of this sudden spike that we had in, in 2020. I think when you look at the the rate of growth, you know, 50 years from now, people are looking at the rate of growth for e-commerce. It'll sort of look like, I don't know if you remember stepwise functions from trigonometry or whatever, but you know, so it's going up, going mm-hmm. up then straight up and then going up at a, at a curve again. So I, I think that's uh, probably uh, some of the legacy here. Uh, another legacy that I, I think we will see, and you see so much written about it now is the idea of maybe diversifying uh, and nearshoring supply chains. Mm. You know, I think that the dependency on China, especially for things like masks and PPE, was really uh, tough. Uh, and and I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, not not reshoring necessarily, but I think nearshoring sure. maybe when sure. more things come to Mexico or places like that. Yeah. And so then that changes the supply chain too. Sure. It does, I mean, it, one, it makes your supply chain faster because you can do things on rail or by truck instead of relying so much on ships. So I wouldn't be surprised if the pandemic really moves us in the direction of um, uh, shorter supply chains in, in some ways. Not to say that we'll break away from China because there's things we'll always build in China, but I, I do think there might be some things that that, that come back to, to North or maybe Central America. That's that's interesting because uh, you're right. People have been right, right about that, but they've been writing about that for about 15 years and there isn't too much of it. So you always wonder, is there <laughs> right. more smoke than fire? Because you could make the same argument for the energy prices in the U.S. are so much lower than many other areas and yeah. you know why isn't manufacturing moving back? We'll see. We'll see how we how that goes. But well, let me ask you. Well, China got a lot more expensive, which is the big difference from fifteen years. I was going to say the one difference from fifteen years ago is that now China is really a middle class country, okay. and and it's getting more expensive to produce there anyway. Right, right. right. So there was already a move away from it, I think. And again, it's it's sped up. It's one of those things that was a trend that will probably be sped up. And maybe maybe we'll just go to Vietnam and Bangladesh and not Mexico. Who knows? Yeah, that's yeah. Things have moved to the lower cost for certain, but certain industries, labor is not a huge component anymore. That's true. It that's just true. isn't. Yeah. Absolutely. So it, it doesn't move as much. Yeah. Um, last question. Mm-hmm. So I want you to complete this sentence. Right. Um, right. Companies have seen X years worth of digital transformation in Y months. What's the X and what's the Y? I think we've seen between three and five years and 10 months. Okay. It would be because, yeah, that might be conservative. I mean, so three to five in yeah. terms of you know, e-commerce volume, 
in terms of just overall digital transformation, if we throw in things like, uh, you know, how many people are working from home and different things like that, uh, then, then it's probably more Then maybe it's, then maybe yeah. it's 10 years and 10 months, you know, there's, uh, I mean, it's go ahead. the reason why I asked is because as I look through, it's all over the place. It's two years and two months, mm-hmm. 10 years and five months. Yeah. Uh, the best one I saw is 5.3 years <laughs> in four months. Cause you have to be very precise with that. But it's one of these things. I think we all knew it. It's sped up. Mm-hmm. And the question is, you know, will it stick? What's going to happen yeah. when we slow down? Um, but it's an interesting question. Yeah. Well, if we're just going by the number of trucks that we need, it's probably three to five years uh, mm. is what we, what we skip forward. You know, Amazon thought they were going to be leasing their new delivery fleet out to other companies, making delivery to other companies this Christmas. Instead, they were delivering presents to my house in U-Haul vans that they rented that day. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. there just yeah. wasn't enough trucks. So I, I would say probably five, three to five years, uh, in, in 10 months would be, but if we're talking about delivery transportation warehouses, that would be the number. All right. Well, Zach, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. I can't believe that we've been talking for as long as we've been talking actually. All right, everyone stay tuned for Dr. E. Namayub and the market update. Let's take a brief pause to talk about the FMIC pulse signal report from DAT. Formerly part of Chainalytics, the Freight Market Intelligence Consortium, or FMIC, is now part of DAT Freight and Analytics. FMIC Pulse members receive monthly reports based on their subscription, which includes DATIQ's proprietary forecasting approach to predicting the future of North American truckload markets. Are rates dropping? Is the market getting tighter? How should I approach next year's transportation budget? All of these questions and more are answered in the FMIC Pulse Signal Report. Visit DAT.com slash Pulse Signal, and fill out the form for a free limited view of the report. And become a member of FMIC to receive unlimited access. All right, let's get back to it. Welcome to the Over the Road Truckload Market Update for January 14th, 2021. In today's market update, we will discuss the market changes in the last two weeks. Starting with dry van, active rates are up half a percent, spot rates down 3%, replacement rate is positive 9%. This means that the new contract rates are about 9% above the rates being replaced. On the temp control side, active rates are up 1%, spot rates down 4%, replacement rates are positive 10%. Finally, on the intermodal side, active rates up 1%, spot rates are flat, and the replacement rate is positive 2%. All right, so Enam, what do you think the takeaways are this week as we look at these market metrics? The biggest takeaway is we are seeing the spot rates starting to drop again. We 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 saw in dropping for some time, and then the holiday push took the the spot rates up, and as we expected, it's coming back down. 
and it's uh, having a, a direct effect uh, on on the contract rates. Um, so with, with the spot rates dropping, we are seeing the active rates starting to flatten out uh, as we would expect. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense because a lot of these rates that are coming in, the new replacement rates, were negotiated and agreed upon during the heat of Q4. I noticed that dry van has the replacement rate has come down a lot more than say temp control. Temp control still is kind of, it, it's coming down a little bit, but not dramatically. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think temp controls coming down a little slower? Any thoughts? I think the temp control uh, has a little bit more seasonal impacts as well. So I would, I would think that being in the middle of winter, uh, at temp control gets used for just maintaining temperature as well. So I think some of that could be uh, in, in play here. Uh, and uh, obviously, you know, the the still the impact of COVID and different places, things popping up uh, in terms of uh, the freight density changes, the network changes may be driving that as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. The vaccines are starting to come out. But as the news is saying, there are many more vaccines distributed than actually that have been um, injected. And so it seems like, uh, you know, if you look at Operation Warp Speed and they were getting it from manufacturer to the state locations and then the states and the local jurisdictions were taking over for there. That seems like warp speed's actually working. The bottleneck seems to be not that transportation getting it to there, but the final distribution, which is at the state's level. But I don't think that's impacting the whole reefer market. Do you, you know, do you think it have it's having a big effect? No, you're absolutely right. I think the 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 area where it depends on if at all uh, it's going to impact the uh, the uh, the temp control market. That area is not the the yeah. problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from what we see. Yeah, but what about intermodal? This is one that's so weird because you hear all the uh, container rates coming in to the U.S. are four to five x what they normally are. There's uh, bottlenecks coming into the port, but we're not seeing a dramatic increase in intermodal rates. Any thoughts as to why? That's that's correct, and and I, I personally believe it's it has come up because of the manufacturing picking up. However, there's also that shift from in a model to truckload to keep up with the demand um, uh, uh, from the manufacturing side. The, manu- the manufacturing fell behind and they are trying to keep up with the demand. So there is a shift from in a model to truckload just to keep up uh, with the transit time and get to get the product to the end destination. So I, I believe that that is playing effect here okay. as well. All right. All right. Well, I guess that concludes this week's Truckload Market Update. Thank you. Well, that wraps up this episode of The Freight Find. The Freight Find podcast is hosted by Dr. Inamayub and myself, Chris Kaplis, and is produced and edited by DATIQ. For more information or to hear previous episodes, please visit our website at dat.com slash podcasts. You can subscribe to The Freight Find wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, be sure to give us a review. As always, if you have any feedback or questions about what you've heard on the Freight Find or suggestions for what you'd like to hear in the future, send an email to me at chris.caplis at dat.com. Finally, from all of us at the Freight Find, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. 